All right, all right, all right. Hey, everybody, welcome back. This is the Tex Lab podcast, the time you've been waiting for all week, coming to you from the green room at Vintage Grace Church. David Crawl here with Will Watson. Will, it's been a great second week. Well, we'll see. I yes. mean, the Giants play tonight against the Dodgers as we're recording on Thursday. So if the Giants win, it will be a fantastic week. We will be rejoicing with our fellow yes. Giants fans and mourning with our fellow Dodger fans. <laughs> we'll see what happens tonight. It feels like fall is finally here. So is this what it feels like in Texas these days? Oh, we came from about 85, 90 degrees, about 100 degree heat index. So this is beautiful. Fall is when I was married. Fall is when my wife's birthday. Fall is where you can go to Starbucks and get your pumpkin there spice latte. It is the pumpkin spice latte. A lot, a lot happened for you in the fall. Um, I'm glad you're here in California, not in Texas. This is the Text Lab for our listeners who don't know. Uh, every single week where we do a deep dive in the text to help you prepare for your life group this week. Our goal is simple, to help you be a disciple who makes disciples. So whether you're leading a life group or just trying to do some deep diving on your own, we hope the text lab helps you have meaningful study, reflection, and conversation about what God has said to us in his word. This week, we are in John 17, 1 through 19. Let's dive in. When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son so that the son may glorify you, since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory that I have had with you before the world existed. I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you, for I have given them the words that you gave me, And they have received them and have come to know in truth that I came from you. And they have believed that you sent me. I am praying for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. All mine are yours and yours are mine. And I am glorified in them. I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world. And I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given to me, that they may be one, even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost except the son of destruction, that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I am coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for you, for their sake, I consecrate myself, that they also may be sanctified in truth. Awesome, awesome. Will, so much going on here. We're in that room discourse. Give us a little bit of just background. What's going on here in this text? Yeah, so we start out with this high priestly prayer, right? Which is this heart prayer of Jesus. We're going to get back to that a little bit later, but this is where Jesus is teaching us how to pray. Uh, There's a little bit of resemblance. We see this Jesus teaching us how to pray in the Lord's Prayer in Matthew and Luke, but here 
this vantage point that we take is this, this conscious, heartfelt, deep desire prayer of God. We see three other prayers in this book, and like this is uh, in the book of John, and like this is a correlation between the Lord's Prayer and this high priestly prayer, that prayer is consist- consistently pointing to God the Father, that there's an awareness of God's name and God's glory, there's a focus for the work of the kingdom of God, and there is a desire to be kept from evil and the evil one. Yeah, so some people call this Jesus Lord's Prayer. It really models the Lord's Prayer that we see elsewhere in the Gospels, and now Jesus is kind of doing something similar, following the same structure as the Lord's Prayer. And this is really something that would have happened um, common very often in the first century as rabbis would have offered maybe some final words of instruction to their disciples. Jesus here is offering these final words of instruction, and they also offer a final prayer for their disciples. And Jesus here is offering this final prayer for his disciples. And we really understand a lot about the identity of Christ still through his prayer for his disciples. And you see this happen in the Old Testament with Moses in Deuteronomy 32 and 33, with Aaron in Leviticus 16, this kind of final instruction and final prayer for his followers, really that God would be praised and uh, praying for them in their departure. And this kind of continues all the way throughout the text. Yeah, there's this theme, right, at the beginning of verse 17, where glory, like Jesus begins this prayer by asking the Father to, what, glorify Jesus, like that Jesus's glory for Christ here, the cross is not a place of shame, but it is a place where he will be glorified. Everything Christ has done to is to bring glory to the Father, and now he's asking God the Father to glorify Christ as well. Jesus is not seeking self-promotion, like be clear here, rather that God would be glorified glorified through the cross and that Christ would be glorified as well in the right place that he has held before the world began. So this is a Trinitarian glorifying prayer. Yeah, you really have to notice the closeness here of Jesus and God the Father. The glory that the Father receives is glory that Christ receives and the glory that Christ receives ultimately always points back to the Father. You can't separate the glory that the Son receives from the glory that the Father receives. And I think that just kind of shows us the uniqueness of their relationship. The Trinity is all over the Upper Room Discourse, and it serves us well to notice that, to pay attention to that. We can glean something significant for our spiritual lives from seeing just the Trinity at work. And I think we kind of need to stop here and pause and talk about what does glory even mean? We don't really use that term a lot, like, oh, we'll glorify the giants tonight. Um, once they lose or if they win, whoa, 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 burn. Um, But we don't really talk like that. And so, Will, what are even some words of like, what does glory even mean? Yeah, I think in everyday language, it's really what you're amazed by, what you're in awe of, what do we celebrate, um, what gets you excited, what gets you pumped up, and and even like where do we spend our money and where do we spend our time? Think about like the language we use at VG is like time, talent, treasure. Like this is what we're glorifying. What are we using our time, talent, treasures for? Yeah, so I think that's a great question to talk about in our groups this week. What do we glorify? Really, what do we give our time, talent, and treasure to? Um, What are we celebrating? So maybe start with that as a question in your groups this week, what do we glorify? What do we give our time, talent, treasure to? And when was a time when we've given glory to something else besides Christ? Um, Just, you know, those are happening every single day in our lives. Maybe not even just when was a time, but what are the continual temptations for us to give our time, talent, and treasure to? And how do we keep things in their rightful place in our lives that we're not giving 
things that shouldn't have our time, talent, and treasure, um, that we're not giving them glory in our lives. And then Jesus kind of continues in 6 through 12. Yeah, so now we are really diving into Jesus' prayer, right, in verses 6 through 12. We really see, see an inside look into the heart of Christ and his relationship with God the Father, right? So he's praying for believers in verse 9. He specifically prays for believers and followers of Jesus who are followers of Jesus, what, in the world. He's not trying to pull them out of the world. No, he's actually saying, I'm sent you into the world. He acknowledges that he's leaving them in the world, but that they will remain in the world. And he prays for this deep unity uh, for believers. Yeah, and that is just so huge here. Again, Trinity at work. Jesus uh, prays that the world uh, would see the unity of believers. And the model of unity for believers is this unity that exists between God the Father, Christ, and the Spirit. When we think about unity in the church, the reason for this unity is the perfect relationship that's continually demonstrated through us through the Trinity, and most particularly demonstrated through the life of Christ. Uh, Jesus willingly and joyfully submitting himself to the Father's will his whole life. And in that, the Father is glorified that God and Jesus lived in perfect unity with one another. And that's the basis for our unity in the church. So good. I think we've lost so much of that in the church today, yeah. though. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, we think about our church lives as individual experiences based around, but like, what we desire, what we want, our personal preferences. Like, we make decisions primarily based on our opinions. Uh, when we see the opposite here, Jesus joyfully and willingly. So, don't, don't disconnect too far, like the deepest amount of joy that Jesus is saying, because he's saying, no, like my deepest amount of joy is a willingly submission to what the father has and for the sake of others to willing, willingly submit himself to God, the father and the spirit to willingly submit himself to Christ. Yep. Like this is where our ultimate joy comes from, not just our preference. Yep. Yep. And this is a great question to talk about in our groups of what does it look like to willingly, eagerly give up what we want for the sake of others in the church. Man, I think this is something that we struggle with. This is kind of the R2 communitas piece. And really, this is what Life Groups is all about, is this opportunity to practice this each week, that it's not even about our life group, but it's about living life together in communitas. And in that relationship with one another, we have an opportunity to practice what does it look like for me to give up what I want for the sake of others in the church. Um, and the basis for that is the Trinity and being able to really practice that, being able to really flesh that out. Cause that's not easy to do. It's not easy to do. It's something that's challenging and you really bump up against that when you're actually in relationship with other people. And that's really what our groups are trying to do to say, here's a little place to practice being the church together, living in community with one another. And that, that community, that community, which we call communitas at VG is based on that unity of Christ and the Father, but also really based on the mission that they were carrying out, that it was about this common mission that they had, God's redemptive work um, in the world that their unity was based on. Not just uniformity, uh, that's not what the Bible's teaching us here, but a community, a communitas centered around the same mission. And that's true for us. The reason for our unity is the mission. And so how, in your, how is your group living out communitas each week. Um, how do you think about your life group more than just a group to check the box on, more than just something to do, but really this life on life together. It's not about Sunday. It's even not about Tuesday in your life group. It's about Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And how do we continue to fight for that same mission and unity with so many things that are pulling us apart in our world? Yeah, so good. Now we move into verses 12 through 19. And in 13, we see this big word we love here at VG, joy. So what is this joy saying in verse 13 that uh, I speak in the world that they may have my 
joy fulfilled in themselves. So this is the joy of Jesus, this joy that's present in the midst of suffering and present in Christ's departure. It's so much so like the disciples are kind of discombobulated. They're like all over the place. What do you mean you're going to have joy? Well, this joy is this in the midst of the trial, in the midst of this unknown future, in the midst of whatever circumstance you're in, you have this joy that's deeply rooted that we can enjoy the presence of God because our joy is in the fulfillment of the plan of God more than any present circumstances. Yep. yep. And Jesus moves from praying for their joy into right into praying for protection from the evil one. And I think this is huge because he's not saying that they would... Jesus is not saying that they won't have trial. He's not saying that they won't have uh, obstacles that they face, that they won't have pain and suffering. And Jesus doesn't pray that they would be taken out of the world, but he prays that they would stay in the world. And in staying in the world, they would have protection from Satan. And this protection is not the absence of that pain, but really it's a, a prayer of protection against temptation, a prayer for standing firm, which I think is important to notice that they don't do that. Um, Jesus tells them that in 16, that you're going to be scattered. Um, and then now he prays for their protection from Satan, which is trying to scatter them. And very quickly, we will see um, the disciples depart Jesus and the temptation and kind of the spiritual battle that's being waged with Peter. And so Jesus is praying for their spiritual life, that they would stand firm, that they would stand strong, that there's this real battle going on against the work of Christ, um, against his redemptive work at the cross and his redemptive work in their lives. Yeah, and, and, and then 17, we see this, sanctify them in the truth, your word is truth, right? Like the reason for our suffering is for sanctification. Like the definition of sanctification, I know that can be kind of a weird word, a difficult word for us to understand. Uh, it's the process by which the Holy Spirit transforms our spirit to become more like Christ. Um, both the way that we say it around here, it, Jesus came not just to for the plan of God to be accomplished, but something for us to walk into, right? Like to follow a, a living proof. Like this is this language that you use. All this happens through Christ in his spirit. Um, that's part of the reason why we see yeah. the disciples like so off and miss it. But even then, like even with the spirit, we're still going to miss it. But this transformation uh, is, is to happen both in their lives in the text and our lives. Like sanctifying the truth. Who is this truth that we've seen? This is a big theme in the book of John. Like Jesus is the word of became flesh in John 1, right? All of these things are happening so that we would become more like Jesus. This in Jesus himself, not just become more like him, but he is actually the one who's sanctifying us through the power of the spirit. Uh, this is so crucial that, that ultimately what we're doing is, is the old life we used to live, we are seeing those things and we're like, okay, wow, I don't enjoy those things because I realize they don't have the deepest fulfillment for me anymore. I, what the spirit is doing is drawing me to find my deepest fulfillment in Jesus. Yep. Yep. Which really gives a big why behind the what on why is all this happening? Well, it's, it's so that you will be sanctified. Uh, the suffering that you're walking through, the trials that you're going through, it's so that you'll be sanctified, become more like Christ. And the whole purpose of that, the whole purpose of that sanctification is where Jesus really ends this section with is so that you would be sent. And he tells them, I'm sending you into the world. Um, so I have sent them into the world as Christ was sent. And so, man, the purpose for the joy in Jesus, the purpose for the protection that Christ prays for, that there would be this formational sanctification process happening so that you would live sent on mission to be the light in dark places, to not be taken out of the world, uh, but that you'd be in it, not of it, 
but instead sent to it in the world, not of it, but sent to it. And I think that just is a reference that we're not fighting the world. We're not fighting against the world, but we're really fighting for the world, living sent to the world. Even as Christ departs, we are now continuing to carry out that mission of Christ. And these are just Jesus' final words here to his disciples. This is what he's leaving them with as he prays for them and prays for their joy, prays for protection, the sanctification process that would happen, that they would live on mission, sent into the world, continuing to carry out the work of Christ. Will, as you think about just some personal application this week, where does this hit you? Yeah, I mean, I think in the midst of a big change, like the idea of sanctification as communitas, where we are being sanctified, looking more like Jesus in the midst of community has been so sweet. Mm-hmm. Like like we have had people in life group together this past week. We've been to two different ones. And then just you and, and your family, yeah. and then also Zach and his family, and even just staff, Drew and whomever else, like just pouring into us, really wanting to live as sent people together, uh, drawing one another closer to Jesus. How about you, David? What yeah. are you thinking? Well, and I love that because I think that's a real model of the unity that's being demonstrated in this passage of the Trinity, where it's like there's this precedent for community that is modeled for us by the Trinity as they live in unity. They're living on mission together, living sent light of Christ uh, in dark places. And, and that's how that happens, which is really that R2 piece that we talk a lot about. I think I'm just continually challenged by the sent piece that's in this passage of living on mission. And um, man, I, I can feel even in the last few weeks, it is so easy to get busy. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's just so easy to be distracted by uh so many different things that are going on in our lives and not to just be distracted by them, but to view them as kind of obstacles for carrying out the mission when really recognizing, hey, these th- things, they're not the distractions to the mission. They're the opportunity for the mission. And so um, my four and two-year-old are not obstacles to carrying out God's will. They're the opportunity that's right there in the midst of it. Um, just whatever that is, going and getting groceries or um, going and kind of like doing daily life in the midst of these things, that's where the opportunity is to live on mission, to live sent, to continue to carry out the mission that Christ has given to us totally by his spirit, totally as we live desperate and dependent on him, um, but to continually just to live sent. Some of that's just uh, paying more attention to where are opportunities for relationship with my pray watch list. Where are really those opportunities to lean in to those relationships and prioritizing those relationships, being intentional about them, really building life around those relationships um, to really continually live on mission because it's just so easy to get distracted. Um, So for you, the listener, thanks for being with us. Whether you are working out, cleaning the house, mowing the lawn, driving the car, whatever you like to do when listening to podcasts, we hope that you feel equipped, encouraged, and ready to walk through the text with your group this week. As always, do your own prep work. Let the Spirit lead you and know that you are the one who is sent by God this week into your family, into your school, into your work, into your Starbucks, the gym and soccer practice, wherever your pray, watch community might be and wherever God invites you to go to be the living proof of our loving God. We love you guys. We'll catch you next time on The Text Lab.